Warning, the following message may be offensive to some audiences. These audiences may include, but are not limited to, professing Christians who never read their Bible, sissies, sodomites, men with man buns, those who approve of men with man buns, man bun enablers, white knights for men with man buns, homemakers who have finished Netflix but don't know how to meal plan, and people who refer to their pets as fur babies. Viewer discretion is advised. People are tired of hearing nothing but doom and despair on the radio. The message of Christianity is that salvation is found in Christ alone, and any who reject Christ, therefore, forfeit any hope of salvation, any hope of heaven. The issue is that humanity is in sin, and the wrath of Almighty God is hanging over our heads. They will hear his words, they will not act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment, when the fires of wrath come, they will be consumed and they will perish. God wrapped himself in flesh, condescended, and became a man, died on the cross for sin, was resurrected on the third day, has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits now to make intercession for us. Jesus is saying there is a group of people who will hear his words, they will act upon them, and when the floods of divine judgment come in that final day, their house will stand. Welcome to Bible Bash, where we aim to equip the saints for the works of ministry by answering the questions you're not allowed to ask. We're your hosts, Harrison Kerrig and Pastor Tim Mullet, and today we seek to answer the age-old question, is America racist? Now, normally what we try to do with this show is uh, typically we try to present you title questions that um, are not normally the questions everyone is asking themselves, at least out loud anyways. Part of the joke is, we introduce these as age-old questions, but then normally no one's really uh, a- asking them uh, anywhere. They typically people want to know the answers, but they're not normally uh, going around every everyone they can and and asking them these types of questions. And that's meant to be part of the joke on our end. But then uh, this is a unique episode where our title question "Is America Racist?" is actually something that everyone is talking about, and everyone is wondering um, why either why is our country so racist? Why are we permeated uh, with this weird um, you know treating one race as if it's lesser than all the other races? Um, or they're wondering why are we talking about this so much? I don't see racism anywhere, but everyone's talking about it like it's everywhere. I don't understand. And so this is actually the kind of question that really everyone is asking and and so, Tim, why don't you just start us off by um, just addressing that question head on? Do you think um, America is racist from your perspective? Yeah, well, as you think about the idea of uh, that kind of question, is America racist? Uh, this is a question that really um, the, the word racist uh, racism is a word that has a meaning. It had a meaning, but then, uh, you know, in common parlance, it's being used in so many situations now that basically anything and everything is being called racist. Uh, so uh, an individual who is arguing with a liberal will inevitably be called a racist. Anyone who essentially is standing in the way of something that an African-American wants, they're going to be called uh, racist. Uh, anytime uh, anyone resists anything that the political left is uh, trying to shove down your throat, you're going to inevitably be accused of racism in one way or another. If you have eyes in your head, <laughs> you're going to be accused of racism. And so, you know, when you think about this idea of racism right now, 
the the truth is that if in, if everything is racist, then there's nothing that's racist, and, and so it's a word that is remarkably overused, and it's overused to the point where most people are somewhat sick of it, and it doesn't have the same kind of um, you know terror inducing. Uh, 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 gut-wrenching kind of fear associated with being uh, labeled uh, as a racist as it used to. I mean, it used to be that, you know, people were so afraid of having that label attached to them that essentially they would do whatever the left wanted them to do. They would apologize and fall all over themselves to, uh, you know, essentially uh, uh, give in to whatever demands were made of them because they were so terrified of that label and the canceling power that was associated with that. Now it's just being used uh, to such an extent it's so overused that it just functionally meaningless. Uh, but then it is a word that had a um, unique um, historical meaning that uh, is associated with what's uh, described as scientific racism. And so scientific racism was the idea that essentially humanity is divided into various uh, races of people who were almost uh, what you might consider subhuman uh, categories of people, uh, subhuman species. And so uh, you think about uh, in, in an evolutionary framework, this is an idea that uh, Darwin essentially advanced uh, to where you know humanity was... Um, evolved from a common ancestor with apes and the different uh, groups of people, whether it's, you know, Africans or Asians or, you know, Europeans or Caucasians or whatever, uh, each one of these races are um, basically in an evolutionary sense, uh, descended from apes, uh, this common ancestor with apes uh, to varying degrees. And so uh, Darwin in his book on the origin of species by means of natural selection or the preservation of the favored races and the struggle for life. This idea of scientific racism was found in his actual, uh, his book there. Uh, he wrote a follow-up called uh, The, T the uh, Descent of Man. And essentially in that, he said, the Western nations of Europe now so immeasurably uh, surpass their former savage uh, progenitors <laughs> that they stand at the summit of civilization. And then he says, the civilized civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage uh, races throughout the world. And so this idea of uh, racism was built into the fabric of uh, Darwinism. And it, it was essentially this belief that uh, mankind could be divided into uh, various sub- uh, species of humanity, uh, almost subhuman species that were uh, further uh, further along on the uh, evolutionary ladder than others. Uh, but then it was this idea that basically gave a um, basis for chattel slavery it, um, it, that um, that we see. And so like the idea of enslaving blacks was uh, perceived through a Darwinian lens as being uh, basically okay because they were lower uh, on the evolutionary ladder than the favored mm -hmm. races were. And so uh, under that kind of idea of scientific racism, I would say that there's very few people today who actually think that way. I mean, you're going to have some Southern redneck uh, guys out in the middle of the uh, you know Ozark or whatever <laughs> uh, who basically think that uh, Africans are essentially apes or something along those lines and so you'll have you'll have those kind of individuals or, you, or on the left you'll have uh, Nick Cannon uh, essentially arguing that um, white people are essentially devils and um, 
uh, subhuman and uh, due to their lack of uh, melanin, uh, he says, you know, uh, their lack of melanin, they're unable to have basic morality and inherently savages. And so, but that kind of thing is, is basically pretty rare uh, in, in America in general. Very mm-hmm. few people actually think of humanity as being divided into these quasi subhuman kind of species as far as that that's concerned. So when you think about the idea of racism in general, um, uh, there really isn't this um, overwhelming or pervasive uh, racism in the scientific sense in, uh, uh, around today. Most people realize that uh, the human race is essentially unified and uh, we're more, we more naturally talk about different ethnic, ethnicities than we do um, races. Or if we do, if we are talking about races, we're not, Races in general, or we're more naturally appealing to a concept of uh, ethnicity for the most part um, in, in the vast majority of cases, particularly with Christians. But I would say no. I mean, America in of itself is not fundamentally racist anymore. We, we all, not in that, not in the scientific sense, for sure. Okay, so not, not in the scientific sense are we racist. There, at least as a general statement, um, yeah. there's, there's not really groups of people that are going around saying, Hey, this other group of people are barely human. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Nazis did with the Jews and that's what, you know, we did during chattel slavery, but very few people are, um, like it's so anti PC to even talk that way at this point. But I I don't think most people even think that way anymore that people are, you know, almost different species of humanity. Uh, as far as that's concerned, uh, with yeah. with with the genetic uh, advancements nowadays, I mean, we we realize that we're more alike than we are different. Yeah, yeah, and, and just as a side note, I do think it's really funny that you know evolution in general is pretty, even though it's just a theory that hasn't been proven, it's pretty much uh, widely accepted as fact uh, in the in the secular <laughs> world. Um, but then the downfall of you know. The theory of evolution is you get uh, you get stuff like this, and it's totally if you if you want to stay consistent with that theory, it's totally okay to uh, be a scientific racist. Well, yeah, I mean, it uh, makes the most sense of a Darwinian worldview. I mean, the idea that right. uh, we are all you know share, one shared humanity descended from Adam that comes from a biblical worldview, but then the idea right. of survival of the fittest and um, you know natural selection, like there's there's like Hitler was following the logic of Darwinianism. Uh, you know, yeah. the slave trade was following the logic of Darwinianism. I mean, that's where it naturally leads. Uh, might makes right, you know, survival of the fittest. Like, you know, if you, um, if like there are some people groups, obviously who were more technologically advanced than others. And why wouldn't you think it was because they were higher on the evolutionary ladder than others. And if they right. are, higher on the evolutionary ladder than others why what what is to say that they didn't have the right to exterminate other groups of people uh you know it's basically we're all fighting over shared resources and that was hitler's thing i mean we're all fighting over the same shared resources scarcity of resources is is a thing and you know eventually given enough time we're all going to be going to war anyway so why don't why not circumvent the process and you know um let the higher races prevail as they're destined to do right (laughs) Yeah, definitely a faulty worldview, <laughs> uh, to say the least. Um, but I, you know, I think when it comes to the 
the conversation, if you can really call it that, over the last few years um, in America. I don't think most people have when that would say America is racist. I don't think they're probably. I don't think their critique would typically be well. Most people in America view, you know, um, norm, normally like normally African Americans. Uh, most people in America normally view African Americans as uh, essentially subhuman. I think, at least from my perspective, it seems more like the critique is, um, hey, it seems like most of America uh, is might might view black people as humans the same as everyone else, but then they still, uh, we as a country still treat them, uh, in a way that we don't treat white people. Basically that that's the critique I see more than anything else. So that seems different than, uh, scientific racism. So addressing that, that critique more directly, do you think America is racist in light of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, there are uh, any number of reasons why individuals could be treated in a way that's different um, based on um, certain, that, that has some sort of correlation with skin color, for sure. But um, like in terms of just, um, you know, your standard definition of racism in the dictionary, one of the things that you're going to find is, you know, you can just look up racism in Merriam-Webster and it's a belief that race is fundamental uh, de uh, determinant of human traits and cap uh, uh, capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superior superiority of a particular race. Uh, so I'll read that again. A belief that race is a fundamental de de uh, determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce an inherent superiority of a particular race. So even the definition of racism in the dictionary is largely appealing to that notion of scientific uh, racism there. Uh, but then... Um, but then, you know, there's also what now is being described as this uh, systemic oppression of a racial racial group to the social, economic and political advantage of another. And so that's essentially what's happened is we've changed the definition from the common usage from what normally is called, um, you know, scientific racism more to what is being described as uh, systemic racism along those lines. And so people are now are asking you know, like because there are disparities in the world between whites and blacks um, or between, you know, Asians and whites and Asians and blacks, uh, be because there are these disparities, then in a simplistic way, essentially what's being argued is that all those disparities, uh, ipso facto, are evidence of of uh, systemic racism. And th this is essentially mm -hmm. what David Platt was arguing at his you know, infamous T4G sermon on Amos, <laughs> let justice roll down like waters, uh, where he, uh, without any thought whatsoever, essentially listed um, economic uh, disparities between blacks and whites, uh, e economic and social disparities between blacks and whites as ipso facto uh, evidence of systemic racism. And so now we're using uh, racism, basic, like racism now is being used to, to basically as an all-purpose explanation to explain why these disparities exist, um, but then that's that's moving away from um, what might be described as conscious prejudice towards members of an opposite uh, 
race, if you want to use that unhelpful category to, you know, implicit bias and microaggressions and all these things like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so, you know, as you're answering that kind of question, if you're going to talk about, well, is America systemically racist in that way? I would say, well, the only systemic racism that exists in America, as far as the actual laws that are there, is uh, laws that favor African-Americans over whites or Asians. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically what you're saying is, uh, there's a lot of people who are looking around and seeing that, um, you know, when it comes to African Americans, typically it seems like they're normally not as well off financially. Um, they don't normally have, uh, which, which stands to reason they don't normally have, um, the same high paying jobs, um, that, that white people, might normally have. And so their answer to that, their, their answer to their, their explanation for that observation is to say, well, obviously there's, uh, this means that there's systemic racism involved. Which, yeah. Yeah. Right? And essentially, yeah, that's defined as like prejudice plus power. So because white people are in power, then they're creating a system which inherently favors white people over black people. And so, uh, in that way, um, they may not even be conscious of, you know, the the nature of their exercise of power in that way. But they created a system which inherently is going to privilege people of their skin color over and against others. And, you know, individuals like Robin D'Angelo, who wrote a book, White Fragility, is essentially arguing that, um, you know, racism is the normal state of affairs in uh, in our country. And But then, you know, racism is defined in that way as prejudice plus power, meaning it's only white people who are able to have be be racist and not blacks. And that's why, you know, a lot of individuals basically say I'm black, I can't be racist. It's because we've changed the definition from the scientific notion, uh, which, you know, Nick Cannon is certainly guilty of, a black man uh, and rednecks, some rednecks. (laughs) Uh, But then you, you, um, you have uh, now it's prejudice plus power. And so then you have the system supposedly that's rigged against African-Americans, uh, you know, in favor of, of whites. And, and it may not be, you know, uh, conscious uh, racial uh, animosity towards members of a different ethnic group, but uh, there's a system that's in place. And, and so, and, you know, Robin D'Angelo basically would be quoted as saying something along the lines of uh, it's not whether racism occurs it's uh it's uh how did it occur in any interaction and so racism is the normal state of affairs and basically you know any but basically you're getting that from the notion that any economic or social disparity is it, it, there's only one explanation for it, it that can possibly be conceived and that is the systemic racism essentially yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that really leads um, to two inevitable questions, I guess. And the, the first would be, uh, number one, is the claim true then that African-Americans, um, you know, finan- for example, financially are typically much worse off uh, than than Caucasians in America? Um, that, w- that would be the first question. So, you know, basically the claim that America is racist is based off of that premise. So, so, uh, that needs to be true, right. In order for the claim that America is racist to be true. The second question that would have to be asked then is, 
Can you clarify there, that question real quick? What was the oh, question there? Oh yeah. Um, basically just saying number one, you know, are, are black people, for example, financially, um, worse off, uh, or, or, um, more disadvantaged, uh, disadvantaged. Yeah. That's, that's probably, I think that's a term that they use a lot disadvantaged, um, compared to white people. Uh, so that would have to be true, right. For their claims to make any sense. Right. Um, and then the second, the second question would have to be, well, is the only explanation for something like that, um, that they're being, they're being oppressed, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, are there any other explanations, uh, that could be given for why, uh, that's happening. That's happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think I could probably answer both of those in one question, essentially, um, or in one response. Um, you know, the National Museum of African-American History put out their infamous um, poster <laughs> online. Do you remember that coming out? I, I do. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. So, you know, this this poster is essentially talking about race. And so essentially it, 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 it said aspects and assumptions of whiteness or white culture in the United States. And so it's basically... Um, this uh, flyer that they put out that they received a lot of heat from. Uh, and it, it, it's difficult to know what to make of their retraction of this because this is essentially what's being argued. Uh, but then um, they, they put it this way. They say white dominant culture or whiteness refers to the way white people and their traditions, attitudes, or way of life have been normalized over time and are now considered standard practices in the United States. And since white people still hold most of the institutional power in America, we have all internalized some aspects of white culture, including people of color. And so basically, um, like you have to, in order to interact with something like this, you have to put on your multicultural lenses, essentially. And you have to basically, uh, basically view all cultures as being fundamentally neutral. So all culture. So you think about it that way. All cultures, under their view, are are perceived as being fundamentally neutral. And uh, so then, like the fact that uh, you know white people are basically uh, ahead in in the world that we live in today, is basically because uh, white people built the culture and society we live in. And there are certain aspects and assumptions of whiteness uh, or white culture in the United States that black uh, individuals, by and large, don't share. Uh, but then, when you actually examine their list of things, that's what is somewhat shocking about it. Is so so. Um, Basically, here are some characteristics of what they call whiteness, uh, the idea of rugged individuals, uh, vigilism. So the individual is considered the primary unit. Uh, there's this idea of self-reliance or independence and autonomy are highly valued and rewarded. Um, the, the individuals in this way are assumed to be in control of their environment. So you get what you deserve, in other words. Now, uh, you know, so far, you, maybe, okay, maybe, you know, white people are more individualistic and black people are more communitarian and, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, but then you think about the family structure, uh, the, you know, assumptions of whiteness. You have the nuclear family, a father, a mother, and two to three children is the ideal so, uh, uh, social unit, right? Uh, so that's not an aspect of whiteness. That's an aspect of the Bible, right? <laughs> yeah. The yeah. family, husband is the breadwinner or the head of the household. That's not an aspect of whiteness. That's an aspect of the Bible, <laughs> okay? That's Western civilization was built on a you know a Christian worldview. The husband is the breadwinner, the provider. Um, 
But then, you know, this has to be an aspect of whiteness because you know, black illegitimacy rate at this point is, you know, 78% or something ridiculous along those lines. Uh, but then think about this, the wife is the homemaker and subordinate to the husband. Uh, you know, so, um, so, but that, again, that's, um, that's biblical Christianity, right? Uh, children should have their own rooms, be independent. Okay, that's the individualism component there again. Uh, but then uh, where it gets really crazy is, so right now, whiteness is being viewed as predominantly a biblical worldview. <laughs> okay, responsibility uh-huh. placed on the individual and all, all that. But then they, they, they go on to say emphasis on the scientific mes- method. So objective, rational, linear thinking is characteristic of whiteness. <laughs> well, what's the inverse of that? Being irrational and being subjective? Like, uh, so... Again, I mean, these are biblical values. This isn't just, you know, multiculturalism that one, you know, you can't criticize any kind of culture. These are problems, you know, if, and I mean, essentially, you know, the National Museum of African American History is saying that black people are irrational and illogical. Um, they don't understand cause and effect relationships like white people do. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> pretty if you racist shoot, if you ask me. You shoot me. <laughs> someone, you're going to go to jail. You know, like they don't like uh, like uh, that's just a matter of whiteness, right? Uh, quantitative emphasis, right? Uh, so, like these are just this is scientific method. This is how we built our society. I mean, you can't send a rocket into space without an emphasis on scientific method. You can't build a car without emphasis on scientific method. You can't accomplish anything in life without emphasis on the scientific method. Uh, like this is, um, these are, you know, if God is an orderly creator, he made the world in such a way uh, uh, that reflects his character. Like we're not going to be able to uh, subdue the earth and have dominion over it if we don't have an emphasis on objective, rational, linear thinking. Okay. Uh, so, um Basically, uh, you know, then the, the bottom, it's like a Protestant work ethic, uh, you know, hard work is the key to success. I mean, my goodness, like go to the ant, you're sluggard. I mean, just read the Bible, read the book of Proverbs. This is straight out of the book of Proverbs, right? Yeah. I, did, I didn't know King Solomon was, was blinded by whiteness. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Well, you work before you play, right? It's like, uh, yes. I mean, like, yes, uh, we all have eyes. We know that African-American culture is obsessed with sports and, you know, and uh, uh, games and everything else. And, you know, but like, that's what you're telling us. You're telling us that essentially African-Americans are lazy and that they're illogical and uh, and everything else. Uh, You know, if you don't meet your goals, you didn't work hard enough, uh, Protestant work ethic. Um, You know, and it goes on to talk about, you know, being polite and things. Things like this. And so, you know, but like if those are like, so what's happened is you, you have to put your multicultural lens on this kind of framework. And then essentially you're viewing all cultures as neutral and you're, you're not allowed to criticize any culture cultures. And basically, um, you know, the, the idea then is just that white people have created a society that prefers the things that they subjectively decided to value for whatever irrational reason they decided to value it. Uh, but then if you have a, a, a of a black uh, built society, then uh, essentially uh, that was characterized by laziness and, you know, disrespect and, you know, single motherhood and, um, um, you know, irrational, illogical thinking, then, you know, then essentially uh, in that kind of society, then blacks would excel. But then the problem is, it's just, it's, this isn't reality. This isn't the way the reality works and this isn't biblical. Uh, and so, you know, that they were forced to take that down because everyone was basically, they could read the, you know, 
subtext there, you know, essentially. Yeah, read it between the lines there. Right, so you're <laughs> saying that I guess white people are hard workers and nice and polite and logical and, and African-Americans are lazy and, you know, uh, prioritize uh, playing over work and are rude and illogical. And so they had to take it down. But then that part of the problem, though, is you do have a clash of values that are happening and um, there a clash of values that are happening in our society right now. And, um, and, and that matters. And, and so like a lot of these things aren't just, I mean, there's an objective standard in the Bible about how to get ahead, uh, in life. And it's largely with what the national museum of African-American history calls whiteness essentially. And so, but, but if that's an accurate reflection of, uh, reality, which it seems to be, you know, you're not allowed to say it, but they knew what they were saying and we all can understand what they're saying. Uh, but if that's, the case, you know, I mean, like, look, I mean, you're not allowed to say these things, but I mean, it, it is it, just to give examples of, of the way that this actually works. I mean, it, it is a very different experience to go to Hardee's than it is to go to Chick-fil-A. Okay. Related to the idea of niceness, and uh, like, like one culture prioritizing niceness over another uh, culture, uh, you know, as far as that goes. And as far as just hard work and everything else, I mean, like, like, um, Emphasis on the, uh, you know, logic and scientific method and everything else. I mean, I like just watch a rap video and you're going to see that uh, like, like there are problems in the African-American community. The African-American community right now is profoundly anti-intellectual in the same way that Southern white redneck culture is pro- is uh, profoundly anti-intellectual. Uh, and so there are, there are problems there that, uh, that, uh, uh, from a biblical worldview, but if there is such a thing as objective truth and, and the Bible does give us a way to get ahead, then these aren't just white issues of whiteness or, or um, this. I mean, these same traits are at work in you know, Asian societies too, right? This is not just something that white people invented. Um, yeah. Uh, so well, I think Asians are now considered white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, it's not supposed to make any sense. But, if, but if I'm uh, if I'm up to date on all of my yeah. my uh, you know social media yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. stuff, I'm yeah. pretty sure Asians are now considered white yeah. people. <laughs> they're, we're, they're also people of color. Apparently, are people uh, colorless people? Right and, uh, over and against the people of color. Now, I mean, so you you look at these things and it's like, no, I don't I don't believe that there's some kind of systemic uh, oppression of black people that are holding black people back. In fact, there's a, a systemic favoritism towards black people in our our society right now. Uh, if you try just a little bit in our society, you'll get ahead. Like if you just, like you'll have any number of people fall. Like if you're an African American person who just tries to speak English, like and tries uh, to apply yourself to your studies, you'll have any number of people who will fall over themselves to try to give you whatever you want in our society. Uh, and you don't even have to try near as hard as the standard, you know, white person. I mean, I, I went to seminary and I had an African American friend and, um, and, you know, my, my African-American friend, um, he had, you know, professor after professor after professor. Uh, he had 20 professors offer to be his mentor, his personal mentor during our education there. And you can imagine how many professors offered to be my mentor. <laughs> I'm guessing know. not 20. Zero. No, and I don't, I don't begrudge <laughs> that. I'm, I don't begrudge that, but I'm just trying to say that it, it, like there are opportunities there. You know, I, the fact that I was a quarter Mexican didn't even count, you know, like it, <laughs> it didn't count for anything. <laughs> no, I wasn't minority enough, you know? Um, 
but uh, like it didn't count, you know. But I mean, the thing is, like we're we're living in a society that's falling all over itself to be diverse and uh, show reverse partiality. There, we're not living in a society trying to hold anyone back, and there are simple, you know, ways to get ahead in the world. And if uh, African Americans want to take them at this point in history, there's nothing to stand in their way. But then the problem is that you have, you know, testimony after testimony of, you know, individuals like Ben Carson or Vody Bauckham or you know, those kind of individuals who basically say, describe their childhood of them trying to, you know, learn and uh, as being accused of being white, you know, at various points. And so there's, there's a cultural pressure within the the African-American community to keep um, the African-American community back. And that's uh, the biggest, one of the biggest threats that's happening right now. Speaking of, um, you know, biblical teachings, uh, racism ultimately is a question of morality above all else. And so we as Christians, we want to go to the Bible and let God tell us what is right and what is wrong. And so we spent, you know, about 30 minutes talking about pretty much how the world would define racism. So Tim, why don't, why don't you, um, explain for us now, um, how the Bible would categorize racism how how does the bible define racism for us yeah i think this is hard because you know racism is obviously not a word that's found in the bible but then the problem is the concept of race really isn't found in the bible either in the same uh kind of way and so the bible doesn't teach that individuals are um uh, essentially uh, subhuman species that are higher up on the evolutionary ladder. I mean, the Bible teaches that the entire human race is descended from Adam and it's, it's, it's basically kind of inappropriate to talk about like race, like the concept of race, because there aren't races in the scientific Darwin sense of races. I mean, we have different ethnicities, we have different nationalities, uh, and, you know, it's not entirely true that everyone of a particular skin color really even shares the same, you know, traits um, in any kind of homogenous way. And so all, you know, all Caucasians aren't obviously the same in, in any way. Uh, there's vast cultural differences between different types of Caucasians. And the same thing is true of, you know, African-Americans. I mean, there are politically conservative African-Americans, but they don't apparently count <laughs> as African-Americans because, uh, you know, the Southern white uh, or the Southern black redneck culture is basically defined as true blackness at this point now. Uh, But then biblically speaking, like this idea of race isn't, isn't really, it's a figment. It's a figment of people's imaginations. We we do better to talk about ethnicity at that point uh, because we're all, you know, one human race descended from Adam and then Noah and his family. Uh, so with with that, the, the Bible doesn't address this topic of racism because racism is really kind of a new concept that has happened. Uh, but then, you know, if you were to think about like some of the things that are like, like are called racism, then what you would do is try to ask uh, like what are the things that are being called racism that the Bible either approves of or disapproves of. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like the idea of what might be to call, uh, what, what you might call, uh, ethnic pride or something like that. The idea of, uh, like, uh, a sense of moral superiority to be found in one's own ethnicity, 
uh, that would be repugnant to a biblical worldview. I shouldn't think of myself as being superior because I'm a particular uh, skin color to any other. Because you're quarter Mexican. Yeah. Well, that, that's what, what's hard about that is that I guess apparently because of uh, the effects of critical theory in the world, uh, 75% of myself wants to deport the other 25%. <laughs> and so <laughs> I can't... Uh, uh, I just, uh, I mean, I live in, living in a permanent schizophrenia there to where, you know, um, uh, it's just, you know, 75% is racist and the other 25% is an oppressed minority. And I mean, just imagine the psychological damage that happens <laughs> with that kind of thing. Uh, but, um, no, um, no, I mean, look, uh, so, I mean, like if you, there's plenty of people though, that have a, a sense of ethnic superiority based on uh, who they are. I mean, the, you know, Chinese people can be pretty, you know, as I've interacted with uh, Chinese people that like there, there's a, there's a strong element of that within Chinese culture. That is uh, this uh, ethnic superior superiority there. Uh, like that, uh, like a, almost a pride. And that's different than just like general thankfulness for who you are, you know, your people, your country, where you came from, a general kind of, uh, patriotism kind of thing uh, that's different uh-huh. like uh, than like you know black you know black pride or you know like all uh, you know all the kind of pride that individuals are told to you know, I mean, black pride could be as innocent as just you know thankfulness for how God made you and your culture and everything else but it, it, at times it appears to be more than that and Certainly, no one's allowed to say white pride without being Hitler incarnate or something like oh, that. Yeah. Uh, but but we, I, I think, like the Bible would repudiate a kind of glorying in your own like um, superficial characteristics or background to where you consider yourself superior to anyone else. So that would be a type of racism that I think the Bible would um, uh, validate as being wrong. Um, if you could distinguish it from just general patriotism, thankfulness kind of thing, uh, love of your culture kind of thing. Um, um, it, you know, it, it, it may be that like in an innocent way you think, oh man, you know, I'm Italian and, you know, I'm not actually Italian, but you know, I'm Italian and we have the best food in the world or something like that. That would be somewhat innocent, you know, mm-hmm. but we as a people are superior to every other people. That would be where you would get in trouble that kind of racial pride uh, like the idea of discrimination is much more complicated um uh so a common element of racism in, in the way that we think of is like any th- discrimination but that's that's uh, that's a lot more complicated than um what the simplistic way that we're viewing uh discrimination right now Okay. Um, so, like, to discriminate between two things is essentially to say, like, this is this and not that. Uh, so, a man of discriminating taste would be a man who w- was able to pick a high quality, you know, couch or car or something like that or suit, you know. Uh, so, like, discrimination, like, um, is not necessarily. Uh, as problematic as what we point out. And that would be, you know, making certain assumptions about uh, certain groups of people that are either, either positive or negative um, that would be, uh, in some sense, bound, uh, uh, in some sense, uh, 
fact uh, based on facts, right? So when Jesus comes up to Nathaniel, he says to Nathaniel, you know, behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or no guile, right? <laughs> yeah. Now that's you know that would fall a fly of our common definition of racism because like we think of racism as uh, any negative like stereotypes related to any particular people group. Uh, but then the problem is that like, it, it does matter if like you're um, if, if, if the Jews at that point in time had become a, a bunch of swindlers, just like their father, Jacob, right. <laughs> you might, <laughs> you know, and Jesus calls them on it, right. Behold an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or guile, right. He's calling them on it. He's, he's calling them on, you know, that, that scenario that happened with Jacob and Laban and, you know, the flocks and the, you know, trading the dot trading uh you know uh uh leah out for uh rachel and all that like if that had become characteristic of a society that they were they were swindlers then like that that might affect how you how how you do business there right (laughs) so Uh i mean that's just sanity that's just wisdom at that point and uh you know paul says of the cretans that they're always you know lazy evil beasts and gluttons and then he says uh, you know as a prophet of your own says and he says this testimony is true you know like that they're (laughs) always lazy Uh, so i mean you imagine you're living in that time it's like would you want to hire a cretan you know, no, I mean, you no. might want to have, you know, and if you were the kind of person who says, hey, maybe we should have a few more references for the Cretan applying for the job. I mean, like, that's just like, you know, so racist in our minds and like scandalous. But then it's just like, that's just, uh, you know, a group of people can make a name for themselves and have a certain reputation. You know, if you're Americans going into the, uh, trying to settle in the new world and you, you know, you keep on getting uh, your scouts uh, scalped by raiding parties, you know, you might make adjustments as far as that goes, you know, and, and uh, exercise a lot more caution with the natives. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I don't know that the idea of discrimination in the way that we think, like we think of discrimination is as, as if like you have to just have a, you start every encounter with a different ethnic group with just a total blank slate Uh, with no inherent assumptions made whatsoever. And I just, I don't know that that's realistic or biblical or um, it seems like you have some direct Bible verses that would contradict that kind of thing. So I think the racial vainglory, that's um, definitely a no. The discrimination thing, that's complicated. That's complicated. That's a little more complicated uh, uh, in terms of the biblical, uh, morality of it, like the idea of systemic oppression, like in general, the Bible gives us this Protestant work ethic, uh, the importance of two, you know, family homes, like, like there are every social sociologist would tell you that if you want to get ahead in the world, you need two parents, you know, of opposite genders. Uh, uh this single mother thing, it, it results in crime and failure and everything else. Uh, and you're not going to get a full full picture of image of God. And so the systemic oppression kind of idea, I think that's somewhat bankrupt. Um, like you, it's more complicated than that. Um, and so, um, but I think the main idea though is just this um, either glory, like the racial va- uh, vainglory, or the glory in one's uh, ethnic group, and uh, inherent uh, hatred. Like you might, what you might call it a. a, a a, a, uh, a hatred for members of different ethnicities um, that would that would also be um, what you might describe as something the Bible would condemn that is also categorized as 
racism. And then maybe finally, just like this idea of uh, individuals being higher on the evolutionary ladder, the scientific kind of thing that would basically deny the uh, doctrine of creation and um, right at, at biblical level. So that would be uh, prohibited in the Bible also. So what about, would, partia- would partiality fall under that hatred of other races or is that another... Is that another biblical category that we need to make room for? Yeah, I mean, I I think in some sort of uh, simplistic way, if an individual is just uh, like, um, like basically, like the idea of partiality is like um, the idea that uh, uh, partiality is when basically you show preferential treatment to one individual over another who has an equal claim uh to treatment does that make sense mm-hmm. so like partiality like in in with the idea of partiality there's individuals who have equal claims so there's that idea so i show partiality to my wife over and against all other women because she has a greater claim to my love and affection than anyone else right Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the same thing with my children. Like I show partiality to my children, but then be over and against other children in the world. So it's you know, Jesus says it's not good to take the children's bread and give it to the dogs or whatever. My children have a greater claim uh, to my uh, provision and perfection, uh, uh, protection, and everything else. Uh, but then within like those children, you would think all children at that point, um, they. Um, all of my children deserve the same kind of treatment because they all have equal claim to being my children, right? So then, you know, as a, at a government level, when a government is showing preferential treatment to one group over one citizen, group of citizens over another, that would be a violation of biblical partiality. Uh, and that would be part of what you would describe as in the sloppy way of now of racism. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, they have so in one sense, the government is actually racist, but not in the way that most people would say. That right, right, that would be an example of that. But then, you know, the idea of partiality is like the idea of equal claim. But then, like, if um, that doesn't um, uh, th- that that doesn't mean though, then that you know, like, if you're let's say you're a black person and you want to marry another black person that like you don't have the freedom to pick who you want to pick or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So not everything that we're like, you have freedom to have desires and preferences and uh, like, so not everyone has some sort of right to be your marriage partner. You have the freedom to pick <laughs> a marriage partner. And so a lot of like the issues of partiality get somewhat complicated as you think through, you know, how it uh, works in the world. Uh, but then, you know, you, you have to think in terms of those equal claims. And so, uh, but yeah, partiality can be uh, a um, a big thing. You know, you have a lot of churches right now who are showing ethnic partiality towards blacks. You know, like Matt Chandler saying he wanted a black, um, he would take a black six over a white eight, you know, or some, something like yeah. that on his pastoral search uh, thing. You know, that would be an example of racism uh, in, in, in that way. But yeah, sure. Um, so... Okay, so we have that biblical category for, uh, you know, what most people would call racism. We we kind of have uh, a few. We don't have like a category called racism in the Bible. There's not like a verse that says, "Thou shalt not be a racist 
right? Um, you just basically have to take everything that people are describing as racism and work it through a biblical filter and say, is that fine or not? Does that make right. sense? Right. Yeah, yeah. On there, a case by a case of... basis, because everything's called racism now. So, like, right. if you oppose, like, or if you support voter ID laws or something, you're going to be called a racist. But is that racist to want to have an right. accurate vote? Right. So you have to work through each one of those things in in that way. But there's certainly some things along those lines that are um, that would be sinful that are called racist. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well. If we're thinking about this biblically, then what exactly would you, um, there's, there's been a lot of conversation, uh, from people on the left who are, are, who are pushing the idea that America is systemically racist and they're, they're basic. Who, who was it that you said earlier? Um, David Platt, you, you quoted, no, you quoted that said, um, Robin D'Angelo. It, it's not about if racism yeah. happened, it's about how it happened or something. Yeah. That was a white fragility, uh, Robin D'Angelo, Robin D'Angelo. Um, you have a lot of people who are basically saying like, Hey, look, if you're a white person, you're inherently racist. Right. Right. Because you're part of a system that is designed to keep minorities down by virtue of appealing to these biblical criteria. Right. so I guess my first question, I, I wasn't planning on, on when I started talking, I wasn't planning on asking the question I'm going to ask you now, but um, I guess my first question then, now that I'm thinking about it would be, well, uh, from a biblical perspective, is there, I mean, is that, isn't that just a totally outlandish thing to say? Like, Hey, if you're, if you're a white person, you're inherently a racist whether you want to be or not. Isn't that totally unbiblical to say? Yeah, I mean, this is essentially like a religious claim that's being made. And so racism is a bad word, right? (laughs) So you can't, um, you know, accuse one group of people on the basis of their, you know, superficial skin color of being inherently more sinful than another group, like by virtue of, you know, factors that are beyond their control. And essentially like this is what's happening is you have like the biblical doctrine of original sin being applied only to white people. And so when you think about the way that like that critical theory and all that actually works, it's just, there's no more oppressive kind of doctrine than the idea of critical theory in that way, because you're accusing like people of a certain uh, skin color of essentially being irredeemably wicked. And all they can do is just constantly be in a state of permanent repentance over the the factors that they can't control. Uh, but then biblically speaking, like the, the, like if racism is a sin, it has to be a sin that everyone can commit. Like there are no sins that only one people can commit over and against another, uh, over and against another person. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, you, you like, if this is a, if this really is a sin, then it has to be something that everyone is able, you know, has, has the ability to commit in some way or another. You can't just categorically dismiss it. And you can't just pretend like life is so simple to where there are no, like, you know, if you say, okay, well, yes, oppression is, is a, you know, a sin that people in power have to commit. Uh, 
But and so then, you know, white people are in power. That's just like a completely oversimplified view of the way the world actually works. Uh, there's a lot of black people in power right now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the, the, the idea then is, yes, like it, it's just like this doctrine of ir, uh, original sin being applied only to white people. And basically, you're in a permanent state of sin with no hope of redemption. I mean, there's no hope of, of, of ever doing enough in order to right the scales, you know, uh, until like essentially uh, all black people own at least four or five white people or something like that. Like then, <laughs> then at that point, maybe, you know, we'll still be talking about how evil and wicked we are. And, you know, we'll basically go the other way at that point. Uh, until the uh-huh. you know the Hebrew black Hebrew Israelite uh, dream is realized. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you next was um, what exactly uh, you know this sounds like a very uh, religious claim that's being made. You know, uh, all all white people are inherently sinful. There seems to be a lot of um, uh, presuppositions that you're making there, and so. Uh, one of one of the things that they inevitably lead to next is well you've got to fix it somehow if you're if you're a white person do the you're work. inherently sinful do the work. you need to right you need to do the work and so what exactly are they saying is the uh you know quote unquote repentance uh in their worldview yeah repentance is just giving black people unearned favor and privileges you know divesting yourself of property divesting yourself of positions of authority uh divesting yourself of um like uh, power, like so. Essentially, that there's no there's no end to it. Like there's no end game here. It's just uh, I mean, meaning like you can't ever repent enough. You can't. Is that like what yeah, you, mean? you it's just a works righteousness system that you can never win until you know. In some sense, the scales are totally reversed. Uh, but then the problem is that you can do that all day long, and like they're. Like you're not going to build a good society, you know. A good society is going to be built on logic and reason and the scientific method. And if you you can, like, my goodness, man, like I went to this, <laughs> I, I was the white guy on the basketball team growing up, and like I I I have you know former, you know, Facebook friends that used to be uh, on my basketball team, and you know many of them are like we went to the same exact high school, and they're barely literate, like they're barely literate, they can barely speak the English language. And I'm not saying that the, like, I'm not making any, I'm I'm just making a claim to say we had the same education and they can barely communicate in English. And they're posting pictures of themselves, you know, uh, doing gang, you know, sign poses and, you know, dress like thugs and everything else. And it's just like, are you going to ask them to build a car? Right. Mm -hmm. Are you just going to make them like the CEO of a major corporation they don't have the skills necessary to be a CEO of a major corporation. Like, what are you going to do? And it's like, well, it, they must have, it, like, there was systemic oppression. It's like, my goodness, man, like, they, we went to the same high school. We got the same education. Like, it wasn't about that. I looked at them in the high school that I went to. They didn't pay attention. They're constantly, like, joking around, stealing stuff, like, getting in trouble, getting in fights, you know, being like, what do you do with that? Like, you can't just in some simplistic way say, hey, like, that's all racism that did all that. And the only answer is just for white people to give them stuff that they didn't earn and they didn't work for and they didn't care about and they didn't prioritize. Like, it's like you, you do that, you're just ending society is what you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Like in order to build anything that actually require, like you have to have competence in order to build anything. Like you can, you can do the diversity hires like with, you know, across the board and do it all day long. But all you're doing is you're putting unqualified people into positions they don't know how to fulfill. And like, that's the truth. That's the truth. Like, and, and, and so like, not only is it like a system that you like that, that is destructive in that it's putting one people group at at enmity with another and basically blaming all the problems of one group on the, on the shoulders of another and then taking resources from one group and giving it to the other that are unearned. Like it's just a recipe for disaster. Like if you want every, if you want all the lights to go off, if you want all the shipments to stop, like if you want, you know, all the cars to quit being produced, then just, you know, basically call call anyone who tries in life a racist and tell them that the only solution is to you know give up all their stuff and eventually what you're going to have is you know if you if you keep it up you know everyone will just give up right mm-hmm. and we we all surrender this protestant work ethic you know work before you play kind of thing and then what you'll have is you'll have like you'll have the ghetto is what you'll have like that's the truth mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're not allowed to comment on that, but it's just like that. Like, what do you want? What do you want in society? You know, like, um, so you have to think through these things. It's like, these, these are not, um, you you can be, um, you can be naive about what we're talking about and idealistic, or you you have to look and look at the cold, hard facts of reality and, and talk through, well, what does the Bible say about these things? If that makes sense. Yeah. So opposed to that kind of worldview um, and and I guess the narrative that the people on the left are trying to push in terms of racism, um, as Christians, what advice would you give to the person who's looking at themselves and genuinely asking the question, hey, uh, or they're thinking to themselves, hey, look, I don't want to be the person who shows partiality um, towards other people, you know, I don't, I don't want to be the person who's, you know, quote unquote racist, um, in God's eyes, you know, even though that might be kind of a, a clumsy way of, of wording it, maybe you get the sentiment behind what they would mean. What, what, so what kind of counsel would you give to that person, uh, in order to help them, uh, really just be able to analyze themselves internally, analyze their, their own heart, um, to, to, uh, determine whether or not they are in sin in any way when it comes to how they interact with people, um, of a different culture or different skin color or whatever. I mean, the Bible, yeah, the Bible tells us not to show partiality to the rich or to the poor. And so you don't want to show partiality either way. And you don't want to be showing, you know, preferential treatment, um, in isolation, uh, across ethnic lines, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think what you have to do is you have to like make basic distinctions between um, different types of things. And so, uh, Thomas Sowell in his book "Black uh, uh, Rednecks and White Liberals," <laughs> he essentially one of the things that he did there was he uh, gave a like, that's a good book if you want to read it and learn a little bit more about. Um, some of the things that we're talking about in terms of why, um, why we are where we are. Uh, but then, uh, one of the things that's happened in an unfortunate way is that, uh, essentially Sal was making this argument that Southern white redneck, 
I'm going to do a monologue and then I'll get to the question. But he's essentially making an argument that Southern, like ghetto culture is essentially Southern white redneck culture. And one of the things that happened was there was an intellectual movement in the 60s to basically identify this Southern black redneck culture or ghetto culture as authentic black culture, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, everything that's associated with your standard rap video <laughs> Uh, yeah, like that, that, like these, like these character traits are the same character traits that you're going to find in Southern uh, redneck culture, you know, like the anti-intellectual, uh, kind of culture, the focus on big purchases, uh, rejection of delayed gratification, focus on games and entertainment, hair trigger violence, that kind of stuff. All that has been associated with blackness now in, in a way that is totally destructive to black culture. And so if you're wanting to think through issues of partiality, like certainly you're going to have to make distinctions uh, in your mind between what type of person am I looking at? Does that make sense? Yeah, And so like Southern white redneck culture is like, I I think the vast majority of people are not going to want to like, you know, if you have a branch manager job and like a guy comes in there with a mullet and a, (laughs) and a wife beater, um, you know, and, uh, you know, a wife beater, uh, you know, dirty clothes and you can barely understand him because he's so country, right? You're probably mm-hmm. not going to give him that job and because you're going to make certain assumptions about his competence level. Uh, but then in the same way, if you have someone come into your branch, you know, trying to get a branch manager job who uh, is yeah, uh, in full, you know, Tupac, get up, right? Uh, like you're probably not going to want to hire them too because the way that they're presenting themselves is saying something about their character and it's saying something about the level of customer service that you're going to get and, and everything else. And so like there, there's a kind of like, um, so you wouldn't want to describe like partiality across ethnic lines in some kind of simplistic way to say that anyone of any skin color you know, with any kind of traits associated with that, it's all neutral. It's like, no, I mean like, my goodness, like I, um, you know, if, if, uh, if my daughter wanted to go on a date and like what rolled up to my house was, a you know, an Escalade with, you know, huge rims and a banging stereo system and, you know, uh, you know, four gangsters walked out, individuals dressed as gangster walked out, she wouldn't be going on that date. You know, I would make certain assumptions and that isn't partiality. That's more about a culture that you're embracing that I view as destructive. Does that make sense? Yeah. So as a Christian, you have to make, distinctions between skin color proper ethnicity proper and certain destructive subcultural traits that are unnecessary to that does that make sense Mm -hmm. so as a christian i think what you want to do is you're thinking through this issue of racism as you're asking like like i don't think that you just take any culture and say all cultures are neutral and all you just ignore all the cultural baggage that's associated with certain kinds of cultures does that make sense yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, you don't ignore all those kind of things. Like, you know, uh, in that way, like, there are destructive cultures, but at the same time, any ethnicity, I think you want to, like, if if all you're looking at is ethnicity, like, and a person's looking at, like, a, like a, 
an African-American and a white person, both of whom are practicing delayed gratification, both of who, who are exercising clear, logical, linear thinking, both of whom are, you know, trying to behave in a respectable way. Like, my goodness, like, there's no reason to pr- prefer one over the other at that point. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So you, you have to be able to make those kind of distinctions as it relates to partiality. And if you're a Christian, you're not going to, you know, if you're the kind of person who's just so excited that you have, like, black people on your worship stage you're you're so excited that you have black people in church leadership and that kind of way what you want is you want someone who's competent who is able to handle the word of god the evangelical church right now like they're falling over themselves to show partiality to ethnic minorities that they basically let a bunch of prosperity people into the church and they better let a bunch of critical race theory uh, embracers into the church and it's caused a lot of damage, you know, and, and we've had to ignore it for years and years and years, but that's what's happened. And so you want someone who has doctrinal integrity, who knows what the Bible says, who knows how to teach it, who can think clearly, who's an expert in the scriptures. You're not looking at skin color at that point. You are trying to appeal to, you know, what Martin Luther King was advocating, uh, you know, the, that adulterous uh, heretic, um, that colorblindness, which has become so problematic at this point, you are not trying to judge someone solely on the basis of their content or the color of the skin, but on their content of their character, sure. Uh, and and like, if you do have some kind of inherent view that your ethnic group is superior to other ethnic groups, I mean, you need to repent of that. If you have a hatred for ethnic groups, even with all their problems, you need to repent of that. That's sinful. Um, you know, but that doesn't mean you can't acknowledge that like certain cultures have certain problems that are holding them back and Mm -hmm. causing, uh, damage in the world and critique that, uh, as well. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So to the individual Christian, I would, you know, rid yourself of any kind of pride and, or in who you are, you know, any sense of moral superiority based on superficial, uh, you know, traits of your background, your upbringing, your skin color, you rid yourself of all that. Remember that we're all one human race. Inter- interact with the world in a wise way, uh, too. And and I think you'll be going a long way. Um, the, the next question I wanted to ask you, um, kind of going along with that idea of identifying the various sins that might some people today might categorize as racism is uh could you just kind of uh take a few minutes to just compare the quote unquote repentance required uh by people today who are claiming that America is systemically racist compare that to the repentance um that that God requires for the person who is quote unquote racist. Could you just just compare the two? Um, and I guess kind of comment on which one you think is better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, biblical repentance is gonna be like, if you want, if you want actual reconciliation in the world, if that's what you want, if you want people to be reconciled, then what we're going to, what you're going to have happen is you're going to have, you know, a biblical view of partiality. You're not going to prefer one, you know, skin color indefinitely over and against another. I mean, that's just a way to stir up racial tensions and, and anger and animosity. I mean, when, when, you know, and and that's basically what our society is doing at almost every single level. I mean, all the black on Asian violence right now is somehow in the news being called, you know, a 
product of white supremacy. <laughs> I mean, that's insane. You know, like if you, if you let certain groups of people riot, loot and burn down cities and blame it all on, you know, white supremacy, like this, you're just having a recipe for disaster. And so biblically speaking, like each man is going to be held accountable for their own sins. Like you can't blame your sins on other people. Uh, we all enter into the world as fundamentally sinful, but then not only do we enter into the world as sinful, we we all, we're all sinners. We're, we're like, you, there's not one group of people who are uniquely sinners over and against others. Uh, we all have sins that we commit uh, on an everyday basis, but then Jesus offers us free and total forgiveness of that if we ask. And we can be reconciled to other people if we ask forgiveness. And, and like this idea of, you know, forgiveness and racial reconciliation in the critical theory sense is you're putting two people at odds permanently with no hope of reconciliation like until someday the agreed party you know someday determines that they're over all their bitterness and able to go to church with you i'm looking at you uh gmar tisby uh (laughs) you know after trump was uh elected he couldn't he was so emotionally damaged he couldn't even go to church you know, but I mean, it's just like, because he was, you know, so, you know, triggered. Uh, but I mean, my goodness, like, like you, you live in a world, like, um, we all sin against each other in a variety of ways. The humble person is going to see that their sin against God is way bigger than anyone's sin against them. And like, we're not going to hold this record of wrongdoing over each other's head until we plunder them of everything that they have, uh, in undisguised, um, uh, envy and greed forever. I mean, the Bible offers like real reconciliation that means that we, you know, cast each other's debts against us in a sea of forgetfulness and remember it no more, just like God does. And like that, that, and we're not holding the sins of, you know, our ancestors over against other people's heads in perpetuity forever, uh, constantly at the mercy. So but biblical solution is far better. Okay. Yeah. And I realized that was a bit of a, um, <laughs> you know, I guess, a almost, almost borderline rhetorical question, but I figured it probably needed to be talked about. Um, but I guess, okay. So, um, before we end the episode, Tim, do you have any like final comments or closing thoughts that you would want to leave everyone with? Yeah. I would just say that, yeah, just summarize it. I mean, I, I don't think America is systemically, I don't think America is racist. I think the vast majority, there there are a few racist people out there um, uh, in terms of the the scientific version of that, um, like Nick Cannon and (laughs) would be a good example of that. But no, I don't think that we're scientifically racist anymore. But I mean, if you follow a Darwinian worldview, we might as well be like, there's no reason not to. Uh, It's only the Christian worldview that has a solution to racism. And that's going to be, found in the knowledge that we all are members of the same human race. And because we're all members of the same human race, we have to look at what the Bible says. And if you want a real racial reconciliation in the world, you're going to look at what the Bible says about how to achieve it. Uh, What you're not going to do is look to Robin D'Angelo, basically, to put one class of people permanently uh, at the mercy of another. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully this has been a helpful episode for you guys on a pretty... uh, I guess complicated topic if not just because uh, the waters have been so muddied by all of the um, you know conversation if you can call it that um, throughout the last few years on this topic so hopefully this has been helpful for you guys and 
Uh, We want to thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode. This has been another episode of Bible Bashed. We hope you have been encouraged and blessed through our discussion. We thank you for all your support and ask you to continue to like and subscribe to Bible Bashed and share our podcast with your friends and on social media. Please reach out to us with your questions, pushback, and potential topics for us to discuss in future episodes at BibleBashedPodcast at gmail.com and consider supporting us through Patreon. If you would like to be Bible Bashed personally, then please know that we also offer free biblical counseling, which you can take advantage of by emailing us. Now, go boldly and obey the truth in the midst of a biblically illiterate world who will be perpetually offended by your every move.